Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on October 9th of 2022, Aaron and I discuss a Cheeto in Alberta, John Rambo in BC, we talk about ashes, and we hop in the Keep Canada Weird time machine to revisit Barb and Tyrone's Chase the Ace win of 2018. So let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport, it is great to be with you in this bizarre country called Canada. How you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's a long weekend here. It's mm-hmm. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's a uh, weekend to be thankful. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing. I've been enjoying it with friends and family. I went apple picking today. Oh, my God. You couldn't have picked a more autumn routine. Yeah, seriously. It was basically like a fall festival over there. I went to Wolfville. I don't know if you've been spent much time in that part of the province. Uh, I did, not recently, but I have growing up. Um, uh, my grandmother and my father originally is from the Annapolis Valley. So, oh. yeah, we spent a lot of time growing up in Wolfville. Wow, what an interesting connection you have to Wolfville. Oh, my God. People are just rolling over in, in a wave of interest in their, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're listening to this show in. They're just yeah. pulling their over their cars. Car- and cars are crashing. I can't crashing. drive anymore. <laughs> it's not safe. This is too interesting. <laughs> uh, in the town of Wolfville, I like to tell my uh, four-year-old who's has kind of a thing about werewolves. I tell him the reason it's called Wolfville is because every day at five o'clock as the sun, like just after five as the sun starts to set, everybody goes in and locks the doors because wolves come out. And uh, he believes it. Yeah, well, I mean, he trusts you. You're his father. And this is a relationship that you are manipulating for your own entertainment. Mm, good point. I should. The thing that they actually do is that they sacrifice a young boy to the wolves at five mm. o'clock. Nobody's really scared as long as there's a, a young boy to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll explain that to him next time. We yeah, ahead. I just mentioned the next time you're in Wolfville that, yeah, a boy around his age mm-hmm. is going to be sacrificed mm-hmm. to the wolf. Okay. Well, let's get on with it here. We're not here to... We're, we're getting into Hall- uh, Halloween too early. Save that for next week and the yeah, week Yeah, but all of October is Halloween month, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, there. That was our Halloween segment. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's quickly move on from it. Yeah. We have... Actually, we won't get to our mandate yet and our fulfillment of the mandate. I want to catch up on a couple of voice memos we got from... Uh, fellow Keep Canada weirdites uh, who wanted to touch base with us to do things like correct pronunciation and <laughs> fill favorite. us in on things that we talked about that we don't know anything about, like white Yeah, plum. I uh, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the mispronunciation. Oh, perfect. Yeah, these are my favorite. Yeah. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for your latest episode uh, covering the trans teacher at the Oakville High School. Just one small detail. Um, it's small, but it was jarring. Unfortunately, every time you did it, it's not Trafalgar, it's Trafalgar, Trafalgar, Trafalgar. 
just like Trafalgar Square in England. Anyways, it was a small detail, but uh, I think it's important to get names right. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> important was... to get names right and then call people, you know, from different <laughs> parts of the country or the world and and make sure they're getting it right, too. No, I, I appreciate that feedback because it, it drives me nuts. If I'm listening to a podcast or watching a TV show that is covering something I know about intimately and they're mispronouncing something like let's say if there was a documentary about i don't know something set in cape breton and they're just mispronouncing pronouncing the name the place names or the names of the streets or something it would drive me nuts every time they really it. it doesn't bother me at all because i understand that they're not from there and who cares well it just kind of breaks the immersion or something it just takes you out of that for a second reminds you that you're listening to an idiot no, you're listening to someone who is not from that area and doesn't know exactly how to pronounce it. It's a normal thing. Yeah, but there's you know, um, it's okay. She makes a good point though that there's Trafalgar Square, so I probably should have known about that because when she when I got that voice memo and like I was like, oh yeah, Trafalgar is a thing. I was saying like mm-hmm. Trafalgar, but anyway, I uh, Aaron doesn't appreciate it. No, I don't care for it. In fact, I, you know, if you're sitting there and you hear either of us mispronounce something and you are considering calling in, don't. Do it. I just won't. I won't play it for Aaron. Um, Here's the thing. just don't do it. Here's the thing. She was very respectful. That was what I call a constructive criticism or something, or maybe helpful criticism. It'll save me from sounding like an idiot when I do a follow-up. I get messages from people Oh my gosh, I got another one. I'll pl- uh, I have actually, I think I have one uh, unrelated to this series where someone was, uh, yeah, I'm going to play another one actually. Uh, okay. Let me find it here. For people who don't get w- what all of this means is when you release an episode of the podcast, there's the episode description or what people call the show notes, which is just the paragraph or two describing what the episode is about. I don't put a lot of care into that because very few people, I think, even read that. They just look at the title and play Actually, it. Actually, I, I read episode descriptions all the time. Okay. Well, sort you, of. f- you found a kindred spirit in this. This this, uh, this But I would never, this, ever call in about that. Uh, this is a voice memo about an episode I did, I think, two months ago. Hi, gang. I'm reading your show description for the drowning episode in Chatham, Ontario. Uh, I-T apostrophe S. Always, always, always means it is. It is not the possessive form of it. I-T-S, no apostrophe, is how you do the possessive form of it. I know it's a weird, weird rule, but that's English for you. Bye-bye. What do you think of that? Come on. Who's Who is more helpful, Trafalgar or I-T apostrophe S? Is uh, definitely not I-T apostrophe S. Okay. Definitely Good. not. Well, let's Come leave on. it at that then. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is an actual um, productive voice memo because they add a lot of uh, context and just background information on someone we talked about last week, which was the White Claw lady. The lady in uh, Newfoundland okay. whose home was destroyed by... Hurricane Fiona, who uh, was photographed standing above the rubble holding a White Claw alcoholic drink above her head. Uh, we both talked about you know, her story, listened to her speak a bit to CBC, and then we spent a couple minutes trying to figure out what we thought a White Claw was. I think I thought cider and you thought some other thing, but regardless, we were both wrong, and the person who called in and sent this voice memo actually, in fact, knows what it is. 
Uh, this is Jordan from New Brunswick. I'm just calling regarding your uh, most recent episode of Cube Canada Weird. I listen to it every week. I love it. It's my favorite segment. I haven't left a voice message yet, but I had to listening to you guys talk about White Claw. Um, White Claw is not a cider. White Claw is a, a vodka, basically like a vodka and club soda. The way that I like to describe it is like you're drinking TV static where there is a fruit scented candle in the background. It's gross. Not a fan. It's definitely not a cider. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's all I have to say. Um, it's hilarious listening to you guys talk about things that you have no idea about. Anyways, um, thanks for all the effort you put into the show. Bye. Yeah, the little effort you put into the show is what you said. <laughs> so I'm glad to, um, you know, really enjoy listening to you guys talk about things that you know nothing about. Yeah. Thanks for all the effort. <laughs> yeah, someone enjoys it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good that someone gets a kick out of the fact that we try to not try. We're all caught up on listener feedback and voice. Yeah, well, let's just, before we move on, that's the kind of voicemail that I like to hear. Okay. Because they're talking, they're hearing us talking about something very specific, and they're adding to the story, you know. Mm-hmm. Correcting an apostrophe or, you know, a minor mispronunciation of, um, you know, a town or a city, yeah, that's a waste of everybody's time. But adding to the story, explaining what a white claw really is, yeah, that's that's a good voicemail. So I'm not going to claim that she is covered in 40 to 70 cuts. Okay. Well, let's get into it here. We are here to fulfill a mandate that was handed down to this podcast specifically by the federal government to keep Canada weird by way of finding, highlighting, and dissecting weird events and news stories and people and places that generally have popped up within the last week. To do that tonight, we are going to discuss a Cheeto sculpture. We're going to talk about an interesting celebration slash anniversary in Hope, BC. We're going to tell the story of some stolen ashes. And then we're going to hop in the Keep Canada Weird time machine and go back to 2018 to look at one of my favorite weird Canadian news stories. Aaron, you got your seatbelt on? Yes. Um, snap, click. <laughs> you know, I'm, this is the steering wheel I'm driving. The Cheeto sculpture in the Hope BC celebration both include weird monuments. Want to start there? Yeah, yeah. We enjoy weird monuments on this show. Let's start with a very weird monument that recently popped up in a town called Cheadle. I've never heard of Cheadle. It's spelled C-H-E-A-D-L-E. Cheadle, Alberta. There is an odd roadside monument to Cheetos of all things. Here's what's going on over there. You'd be forgiven for missing Cheadle, Alberta. But at the end of a dirt road, a quiet farming community of less than 100 people is suddenly gaining attention. Ah, there's been quite a bit of traffic. Over the weekend, a strange object appearing on the horizon. Just looked a little different. I was looking for it all the way up the road. 
and visitors by the hundreds, suddenly drawn to marvel at what has become a social media spectacle. Well, to come and see what's all the fuss about. I got two messages on my phone, one from my girlfriend who is also a Cheeto fanatic like myself, and my husband who says, you won't believe this, there's a giant Cheeto in Cheeto. Landowners have put up signs asking the many visitors to keep a respectful distance. Uh, we just saw it on social media and we really like cheesies. So. A local movie prop artist was commissioned for the sculpture, a collaboration with Cheetos, now leaving its orange mark on a community with a kindred name. Yeah, well, it's, that's, that's the cheese, I guess, right? The cheese powder. You can see your, your orange fingers. Oh, yeah. Uh, As I was driving up here, I thought, I sure hope they make the fingers orange because you cannot eat Cheetos without getting orange fingers. <laughs> Alberta has its share of roadside landmarks, giant pierogies, dinosaurs, even the Starship Enterprise. I mean, we've gone to Vulcan and places like that, right? But this 17-foot-tall road snack... It's big. <laughs> it's bigger than what we thought. I mean, I thought it was a bit smaller, but... That's, but there it is. There it is, yeah. Proving to be a tasteful testament to its temporary namesake home. It's the place on the map. A monument to Cheetos, of all things. Aaron, is this yeah. appropriate to be in Canada? Um, I have two different uh, takes on this story. Okay, let's hear them. So the first one is, you know, if you're living in the town of Cheeto, mm -hmm. do you want your town's identity to be bought and sold by a big... Pepsi you know, owns it, right? Pepsi, yeah. Pepsi. Well, I, uh, yeah, that's something we can get into is like why they even did this. Like what a weird thing. But well, actually, I, th I think I know why, you mm -hmm. know, because this this story has all but gone viral. Uh, I've heard from many listeners who are like, you, you know about the Cheeto statue. So it's it's almost like, you know, I can almost see it, it as this version of Pepsi, like, preying upon this small town and be like we're yeah. gonna put a stupid monument in there so people put us in the news you know for a minute and you gotta yeah. live with this stupid monument in your town forever yeah and you, and you get a little you know you get some press out of it but like for a minute yeah for a minute and but then yeah, all they all they benefit the from it the only benefit Cheeto. i think they're going to get is over the last week or two a bunch of people probably drove there to take a selfie in front of the thing and maybe they stopped at like the cheeto gas station or something yeah it's all they went to the gas station they used the bathroom and then they probably didn't even buy any gas mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's one side of it and also as you hinted to there if there's not much else going on in cheeto then yeah this is your identity yeah yeah it's it's the identity of the town so if you've grown up in this town your entire life and it's like yeah that's the town with the giant cheeto you know the giant cheesy or whatever you want to call it it's like yeah we've got other stuff here too we have lovely people we have whatever cheeto has i don't know i'm ignorant to it the place you know but like yeah if, if you're you know a 70 year old person that's lived there your whole life and now your town is only known as the cheeto town mm -hmm. and but my other side of this is that we've talked about a number of different weird monuments or statues or whatever on this show just off the top of my head there's the big potato guy that looks mm -hmm. more like a peanut there was the roadside bomb thing there's the, yeah 
UFO landing pad. Out in that the, giant hockey stick we talked about. The hockey about stick on the building. Yeah. Kill so, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this one is the best one. Because it's... Because it's so well done. Like they 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 hired an actual artist to do it, from what I gathered from this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so they commissioned someone with artistic ability to actually put this thing together. Mm-hmm. And it looks really good. I think like the the the, the cheese dust and the the coloring and mm-hmm. everything about it looks really cool. Yeah. Well it's it's kind of like the roadside attraction monument slash corporate sponsor kind of merger that makes this happen where a lot of the other ones we looked at especially when i'm thinking of that big uh the potato guy and in in in, uh, new brunswick is that was just like a a, some guy using metal and concrete made a big potato looking thing that's kind of scary this is Yeah, like Pepsi gets involved or they probably have liability insurance on the statue and, you know, all this other stuff. But here, tell me about this is the reason they made a monument of fingers holding a cheesy. And I guess we didn't even really describe what it looks like. It basically looks like finger, like giant fingers coming out of the ground, holding a cheesy. The the cheesy, of course, is bright orange. The yeah. fingers are like concrete gray, but they have the orange, like cheesy dust yeah, all over yeah. the fingertips, which is a nice choice, of course. But that finger dust, the orange finger dust on the fingers or the orange cheesy dust on the fingers is actually the reason they chose Cheadle, Alberta, is I guess that stuff that gets left behind on your fingers when you eat cheesies. People call that Cheadle. I've never heard that. Oh, I've never heard that. No, that's interesting. Yeah, and I guess that is what, like, the reason for all this is there's a town called Because I originally thought that the town's name sounds similar to Cheeto, Cheadle, Cheeto. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that the dust or the, the cheese residue left behind is called Cheadle. Mm-hmm. I find that shocking. What you come to keep Canada weird for weird stories, but you leave with good information and just insightful background. And I well, think, you better hope that information is correct because there's going to be a few voicemails waiting for you next week. I'm pretty. I've I've checked two sources. Two sources. Yeah. So that's I, I, outside of Keep Canada Weird's mandate, though. We're not supposed to be checking sources. Yeah, that's we're supposed to, to be just saying things. We just jump in. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to be. This is a. You know, between you uh, going to Tim Hortons all the time when you're not supposed to be because we're anti-Tim Hortons on this show Mm. and you actually checking sources and then double checking sources. Mm, I know. it's it's, That's two strikes as far as I'm concerned. One more strike and we're going to have Randy Stonewall taking your place. (laughs) Um, One thing about Tim Hortons before I get uh, move on with this is uh, they do have a product or promotion going on right now that I... I will honestly mm. say I'm not I'm not hating. Uh, it's oh, a yeah. they call You're not it, hating a lot of things about Tim Hortons. They call it the Timbits Halloween trick or or the Timbits trick or treat bucket, and it's a yeah, it's an it. orange bucket. It's ten dollars, and when they give you the bucket, there's thirty one Timbits in it. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah, thirty one right? days in October. That's yeah. cute. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I didn't have a problem with that. It's thirty one Timbits last at my house uh, about one day and a half, I think. I'm surprised that at this point in time you're not being commissioned by Tim Hortons to put a Timbit treat bucket monument in your yard. <laughs> 
Uh, I would never. Let's move on. I, I disagree. I never say never. I want to change the topic away from Tim Hortons. I, I can't. I don't want to get heated up. So Cheetah, Alberta now have the Cheetos. My yard may potentially have a Timbit bucket in the future. Let's go over to a town called Hope, BC, British Columbia, where there is a great statue there that we'll bring up, but there's an amazing annual, I don't know, festival. I had no idea anything about this, but this year's festival was a big deal because it's the 40th anniversary of what this town celebrates. And that's the movie Mm. Rambo First Blood. Oh, yeah. Here's what's going on. Here we go. 40 years ago, an actor named Sylvester Stallone came to BC to shoot a movie that would put the town of Hope on the map. Rambo First Blood became a cult favorite, and the town has been capitalizing on it ever since. This weekend, hundreds of diehard fans are descending on the town to celebrate. CTV's Kevin Chirac has the story. It's an iconic action scene shot more than 40 years ago on the streets of Hope. It was a lot of fun. And Brian McKinney remembers it well. We probably watched him practice him, uh, practice taking the, pulling the stunt guy off the bike probably about 10 times. It was a lot of fun. Rambo First Blood became a huge hit, helping launch Sylvester Stallone's career and exposing the small BC town to millions worldwide. At our visitor center location, we probably get in excess of 15 to 20,000 inquiries a year with anything to do with the movie. To celebrate the 40th anniversary of the film's release, there's walking tours, scavenger hunts, film screenings, and autograph sessions with actors from the film. Well, welcome to Rambo Town. The business community, all for it. I can't exactly model it for you, but... <laughs> from shirts to underwear, even Rambo fudge. Limited to 10,000. For the big spenders, there's also limited edition Rambo knives. Local artists also paying homage to the cult classic. And today, the mayor unveiling Rambo Lane. It's like literally Rambo mania. Jacob Kalashnikov had to pay his respect. Last year, he went viral for this Rambo-themed TikTok video. I drive through this time, like, through Hope all the time, or, like, drive past it, and that's, like, instantly what I think about just Rambo. It's just, like, it's crazy how small it is, and just, it was shot here. And you even took the day off work for it. <laughs> I took the day off work. This local news anchor just couldn't resist. It feels bigger than a movie. It's like a piece of 80s pop culture that became this huge thing, and it started right here in small-town B.C. Part of the celebration involves the closing of Wallace Street for most of Sunday for a real-life tank to make its way up and down the road, driving over parked cars. No word yet on if John Rambo himself will make an appearance. Okay, I want to go to Hope, B.C. I don't know about you. That sounds like an amazing time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I love this one because if you are going to make your town's identity about one thing, the movie Rambo is a pretty good thing to make your town's identity about. Hell yeah. I had no idea that that was filmed in Canada. I knew it was. I knew it was filmed in BC. I didn't really know specifically like a, you know, to take a thumbtack and put it on Hope BC as Mm -hmm. that's where it was filmed. But I knew it was filmed 
in that province. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie. And the town mm -hmm. of Hope, B.C., just in finding, you know, the story for this episode and reading through the articles and stuff. It's like you can't take a picture in downtown Hope, B.C. without, without like these big mountains in the background, these giant trees. Yeah. And yeah. it's gorgeous. And yeah, anyway, I, I like it. It sounds amazing. They have uh, what the article didn't get into is I think two or three years ago an artist that uses like a chainsaw and carves into uh, trees. Um, he made a carving, like a life-size carving of mm -hmm. Rambo that's right downtown. And Sylvester Stallone even um, tweeted or Instagrammed or whatever a, f a photo of it, which is pretty cool. But how about yeah. this is like the, the end of that article. It says the way or the end of that video or whatever, the, the way they're ringing in the 40th anniversary is they're blocking like the main street in downtown and a real tank is going to drive over parked cars. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I can't think of a cooler thing to do. No, I've been doing a lot no. of crappy parades, but I've never seen a tank driving over. I've never seen a yeah. municipality or whatever pay for a tank to drive over parked cars downtown. No, I know. Yeah, it's 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 a great story, and it's a great thing for the town to celebrate. And Rambo is like one of those movies where it, it, it falls in the same vein as as the rocky series that sylvester stallone did as well where the first one's really good you know yeah. the first rambo movie is a great movie yeah and it's and it's deep it's about like a guy coming back from the war uh to find like a i guess just a society that doesn't really appreciate him and he doesn't have a spot to fit in and the movie's good it's filled with really good action the performances are good but then, like, the same situation happened with Rocky, where the first Rocky is an amazing movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. But um, but then they went to the well so many times that, mm -hmm. sure, you can enjoy the sequels for what they are. They're all fairly silly. They're, you know, somewhat ridiculous and not even close to the originals and how mm -hmm. well done they were. Certainly. So Rambo's the same thing. The first Rambo's great. The rest of them are, are harder to watch for me, but love the first Rambo. And I love that Hope BC celebrates it every year. I think of uh, other cool kind of town festivals. I think at Shag Harbor in Nova Scotia, a very remote, small fishing community, every year has an annual UFO mm -hmm. festival to celebrate a famous you know, UFO incident that happened there. I've gone quite a few times, and the whole town kind of turns up and everything switches into you know yeah. UFO city for a couple of days. Uh, the idea of a, like a Rambo version of that is just something that I'm certainly down for. Mm, yeah. Let's move on from this um, to something that I'm not down for. This is, uh, I guess we'll call this a, uh, a crime in Canada segment where this involves a crime, the crime of grand theft auto but it's actually much more to that than that mm -hmm. due to the circumstances of the grand theft let's jump right into this yeah. it's heartbreaking it really is and carol daou and her sister kathy were visiting montreal earlier this week from oakville ontario to bury their mother winifred as when the unthinkable happened never did you like we dream that the outcome would be like this Winnie, as she was known to many, moved to Montreal in the early 50s from Nova Scotia. She met her husband, John, the love of her life. We lost my father in 1984. And uh, in 87, she moved to Toronto in, or to Oakville to be near my sister and I. 
There was never any question. When her time came, Winnie would be buried next to John at Montreal's Notre-Dame-des-Neiges Cemetery. My mother never remarried, never thought of it, never went with anybody after. It was just a love story. She passed away in 2021 at 92 and was cremated. But COVID and a labor conflict at the cemetery prevented the daughters from arranging their mother's burial until this past Wednesday. They drove to Montreal ready to honor her wishes. She wanted to be buried with this stack of love letters from John and a piece of her wedding bouquet she'd kept for 70 years. The daughters parked their silver Toyota RAV4 outside their hotel in Pointe Claire, thinking nothing of leaving the urn in the trunk overnight. In the morning, the vehicle was gone. I was just like, oh my God, mom's ashes are in there. She says police told her car thefts are common in the area, but the sisters don't care about the car. They're pleading with the thieves to return the ashes. Put it somewhere that someone would see it so we can get my mother's remains back and, and give her the dignity of a proper burial. They were told the vehicle might remain in the area for up to a week, possibly parked on a side street. I'll just keep an eye out for a silver RAV. <clears throat> with interior license plates. Montreal police confirmed to Global News an investigation is underway, saying they hope bringing publicity to the story helps the sisters get their mother's ashes back. That's not cool. No, no, okay. not cool at all. We did the story about, uh, I think it was a, a dog that was in a car that got stolen. Yeah, I was trying to remember. We had talked about a stolen car and there was something odd in the car. I couldn't remember. Apparently a dog. I, don't I know. think it was a dog, but it this... was a dog. Yes, I remember now. Yeah, right. Yeah, and right. Buddy got his dog back. Um, mm -hmm. They found the car a short time later, but this, this is different. There's because it's, you know, the car is stolen, but with it, the mother's ashes and almost like their mom's legacy. Like in hearing the story yeah. of like she, you know, there was a for one, there was a labor dispute at the cemetery that prevented mm. her from being buried. I'd like to know more about that, but. Whatever, yeah. whatever that was in COVID prevented her from being buried where, where and when they want it. All she wanted was to be buried with these letters and a piece of her bouquet that she kept her whole life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the theft of a car and it wasn't even a nice new car or anything. It's just like to have that kind of derail this whole thing. That just makes me upset. Well, you don't need to take a crap on the car now. <laughs> well, it wasn't a great car. Well, I mean, a, a, a Toyota, any Toyota is a, a good quality car. I don't. Well, I just well, mean I it wasn't. Want to steal a Toyota Rav Four. I guess what I'm, what I was getting at is like that it's car not a was Porsche or a Lamborghini or something. I'm just thinking the, the car is probably worth like eight to ten grand or something. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, which is yeah, whatever. I guess that's irrelevant. That's but it's not like the, you know, this much. Um, they to upset people this much i'm sure this family would have just given this person you know eight or ten grand or something to yeah just yeah have, to move on with the mother's burial do you do you mm -hmm. think there's any chance that a thief is, that stole the car or whatever is going to see this news report and be like you know what i'm going to stick the urn downtown with a note saying you know return it to the lady on the news yeah probably not um I can't see that happening now. Again, as we know, um, being two employees of Keep Canada Weird, we know that stranger things have happened. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's not likely that the individual who stole the car is going to see the news broadcast, check the trunk, confirm that the ashes are in there, and then return the ashes. And do, yeah, um, and because then they're risking getting caught by returning the ashes. 
Yeah, and they've already gone this far. They, yeah, I, and then like as far as what happens with the car, I think there's a few reasons people steal cars. One is to steal the car to go like joyriding or to commit other crimes with a vehicle that can't be traced back to them. Yeah. But I think a lot, uh, and, and in those cases, the cars often will show up, you know, just on the side of the road in another part of town or in another city or something. Mm -hmm. But a lot of cars are like stolen and shipped to other parts of the world by like boats. That's where I assumed it was going to go. Yeah, like in, it's on a boat somewhere somewhere now like yeah and you, you will know, never see to, yeah mm -hmm. somewhere overseas where it's going to be stripped down to its bare components yeah and... yeah now you know as this is a tragic story obviously it's it's and it's sad but i gotta ask oh, here we go yeah i gotta ask would you in this same situation leave the ashes in the car going up to the hotel I thought about the same thing. And I hate to bring it up because of the nature of this story. Yeah. But this is our job here. To look um, at it from every angle. You're every right. angle. Yeah. So we have to answer. I this. put myself while I was listening to this story, I put myself in those shoes and I thought as I'm pulling up to the hotel and I'm taking out my bags and I'm going to go up to the hotel, I'm going to take the ashes too. You think so? Yeah. I think I would. I would if i had my i often travel with my backpack with my laptop or my microphone or something in it and even if i'm going in somewhere for a couple hours i'm often like i'm taking this in because if something happens to my backpack and my laptop or mic is gone like it's going to just yeah. really mess me up and obviously an urn with a loved one's ashes are way more important but yeah. then at the same time is it not like i don't want to go there it's halloween i'm going to is it not a little creepy to like have someone's ashes, even a loved one's ashes? I don't think so. I, I think under the circumstances, it's completely legitimate to be taking the ashes. Yeah, rather than leaving them in the trunk of your car. And the ashes are probably in a box too. It's not like, like you know, maybe they're in an urn, but the urn is in a box. Mm -hmm. It's not like you'll be walking through the hotel lobby you know, uh, like Paul Bearer, with the, the Undertaker's with like manager. the Undertaker's manager, Paul Bearer, <laughs> holding this big giant mm. like vase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what time is the Continental Breakfast? <laughs> I know. Uh, my uh, this is awful. What we're doing right now. I think we've, I think we've gone into the distasteful. Uh, yeah, zone. damn it, we crossed the line. We uh, did, but but it was all know. in the interest of getting this story out there. Yeah, in hopes to compel this thief to just bring the lady or bring ashes back yeah please do you know if the thief if the car thief happens to be a keep canada weird fan please we just return the ashes they don't care about their apparently crappy toyota rav4 according to jordan all right let's get into something uh so yeah i, I like to think of a segue and the segue here is that story involved a tragic situation befalling a family. Um, but that family is staying together despite mm. the physical distance between the mother's ashes and the rest of the loved ones. They're yeah. staying connected as one cohesive unit. The next story we're going to talk about is about a family that gets torn completely apart as a result of winning $1.2 million. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that happened last week. So for this story, we're going to have to hop at the Keep Canada Weird time machine. And we're going to be traveling back to July of 2018. 
four years ago. We're yeah. going to be going, we're staying in Nova Scotia. The story basically, uh, the story mainly starts in Marguerite Forks. And it involves a Chase the Ace win, again, of $1.2 million. I don't know a lot about Chase the Ace, and maybe it's important to know for context. For whatever reason, I feel like Chase the Ace is like a big thing in Cape Breton, where we're from. I don't know if the rest of the world knows what it is. Aaron, do you know anything about the Chase the Ace lottery and game? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know. I was was around living here for the rise and then the kind of decline. Not decline, but Chase the Ace still happens around here. But... It's not nearly to the level that it was around that time where the jackpots were getting up to, you know, one like this. It was one point two million dollars, you know, and these were um, really high stakes games. You know, they started off and they they still are and always were fundraisers for different organizations where you could have this game called Chase the Ace, where they start with a deck of cards and people buy tickets and then all the tickets go into a draw and they pick out a winning ticket and then they announce those numbers and if you have the the winning numbers you get to come down and you get to draw one of the 52 cards and if you pull the ace then you get whatever the jackpot is at that point in time so the jackpot starts off very small when there's 52 cards but then as each card is pulled each week you get lower and lower, fewer cards. The jackpot is getting higher and higher. And then what would happen in some of these cases as the game was at its height is that nobody would be pulling the ace. So many people will be playing all over the province the, the and even the country at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And then the jackpot would get up to like, yeah, over a million dollars. Yeah. And, and it would the, be wild. And the story we're going to be hearing now involves one of those times where the ace doesn't get pulled early. So week after week, the jackpot grows and grows till it gets to the point of $1.2 million. When the card finally gets pulled, all hell breaks loose. Here's what happens. The next story is about a moment people daydream about hitting the lottery jackpot being handed that big check. The dream came true for an aunt and her nephew in Nova Scotia. They won Chase the Ace. But when they saw how the winnings were split, well, that's when things turned sour. Gary Mansfield picks things up from there. It was all smiles after Barb Reddick and her nephew Tyrone McGinnis picked up their big win, $1.2 million Chase the Ace jackpot. But it didn't take long for things to turn sour when both were handed separate checks for $600,000. J.C. Ace Winners is going to court. I'm taking them to court. It was my ticket. <laughs> Why is that? Why? Because I bought, I bought the ticket. And now he's trying to lie and say we, I said split. I said split with the 50-50, not with no J.C. Ace. I'm taking them to court. I'm getting my lawyer tomorrow. Both names were on the winning ticket. Reddick says she only agreed to split the consolation prize and not the jackpot if the ace was drawn. I put his name on the thing I told him for good luck. Now he's lying. But I'm taking it to court. I'm serious. I'm getting the lawyer tomorrow. Whose name was on the ticket? Me oh. and Tyrone. You and Tyrone's ticket? I put his name on the ticket for good luck. Why did you do that? Because he's like a son to me. <laughs> he was. 
Organizers say both names were on the winning ticket, but the phone number was McGinnis's. Bernice Curley says when she called to notify the winners, no one answered. So she called the Gaming Commission the next day. I thought for simplicity reason that maybe if I wrote them each a check, it would be easier. They were perfectly fine with that. They thought that would be easier for everybody involved. So I split the check evenly and wrote them each a check. The McGinnis family says Tyrone drove to Marguerite, filled out the ticket, and put his telephone number on it. But his aunt says she put her nephew's name on the ticket only for good luck. Yeah, he was lucky, but not for a half a million dollars. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Both families of the winning ticket left Marguerite in separate vehicles, and the next time they'll see each other could be in court. Oh, man, I could watch the clips of this all day, every day. It plays out like a Saturday Night Live skit. I have oh. I, I have my son here joining us for this because I've been telling him. He's been hearing me quote some of these clips and stuff for, for a yeah. while. But uh, Aaron, do you remember when this happened? Oh, do I ever, yeah. This was a huge story at the time. Yeah, and people, it was all like, I, people were making like uh, Team Barb or Team Tyrone yeah. or Barb versus Tyrone kind of, I think. I, I remember shirts. seeing people the Halloween following this, I remember seeing people dressed up as Barb and Tyrone. Um, that is hilarious. So in essence, what happens? Let's kind of recap this. So the Chase the Ace kind of game, you would buy a ticket to play. All right. So Barb, she doesn't live in Cape Breton. She lives in Guysboro County. She gets her nephew, who's like a son to her, Tyrone, who I think is in Glace Bay to buy the ticket for her because she's not from the area. And again, the reason she wants to buy the ticket is because the jackpot has grown so high it has gained attention. Mm -hmm. So the agreement seems to be, and it doesn't seem like their agreement was pretty worked out, but or it was worked out well, but the agreement is the ticket will be in both names. If they win the consolation prize, they'll split it. But if they win the jackpot, she would get all of it. Yeah, according to her, that was the, <laughs> yeah. that was the arrangement. Yeah, according to her, that was the arrangement. But that seems like a pretty weird arrangement. Generally, when you split like a lottery ticket, you split it. And on top of that, it's like if there's both names are on the ticket, then the tickets and it's just like if there's an insurance policy in both of our names, the check from the insurance would be in both of our names. If you and I, yeah. if you and, and I, Tyrone is doing just as much, if not more work. Yeah, like she's just providing the financial aspect. Like we're not talking about thousands of dollars that she's investing here we're talking yeah. about like a ten forty dollars you know like you would buy them in batches mm -hmm. so maybe they sold you know i think that one was 12 tickets for twenty dollars so right. you know maybe she bought forty dollars worth at the most you yeah. know and we're not talking big money but but he did all this driving all this logistical work to get these definitely deserves to be a 50 50 um, you know, partner in this. Certainly. And I also think without like an official contract about how the money would be split or what would happen, I think she's going to have a hard, hard time making a case. Like, well, cause the, the lottery people, they, they wrote them each a check for like whatever it was, 600, $610,000 mm. or whatever each. So what she is saying is, you know, I want all of it when she goes to collect the winnings Actually, let me back up to this because the this that article we just listened to it doesn't really recount or accurately recount how kind of hilarious and bizarre the whole thing is. I'm gonna play a separate video that doesn't have the news broadcaster interrupting. W what happens is 
when Barb and Tyrone win the $1.2 million, they have to go to, it looks like a fire hall or something to collect their check and or checks in this case. And the news crews are there to film them. And I'm sure those news crews are thinking they're going to do this simple little story about a huge win in small town Cape Breton. After, oh, after Barb and Tyrone take, take their checks, all hell breaks loose. Uh, I'm going to play the full unedited or uninterrupted video that picks up just as they pick up their checks. And then we'll talk about it a bit more. Yeah. Going to court. JCA Sweeters is going to court. I'm taking them to court. It was my ticket. Why is that? Why? Because I bought, I bought the ticket. And now he's trying to lie and say we. I said split. I said split with the 50-50, not with no JCAs. I'm taking them to court. I'm getting my lawyer tomorrow. Now you can print that. Barbara Reddick. So you didn't have no agreement at all? No, we did not. Yes, you did. No, we did not. Uh, you know what agreement we had? Ricky Reddick wants to buy a truck. That's what it is. You keep my name in your milk. I'll tell you right now. He's lying. I put his name on the thing I told him for good luck. Now he's lying. But I'm taking it to court. I'm serious. I'm getting a lawyer tomorrow. Whose name was on the ticket? Me oh. and Tyrone. You and Tyrone's ticket? I put his name on the ticket for good luck. Why did you do that? Because he's like a son to me. He was. But he, you put it on the name for good luck, you said? Yeah. Obviously, he was lucky then. Yeah, he was lucky. But not for a half a million dollars. You don't think he deserves it? No, I don't think so. I'll put my son's name on the nose, I'm telling you right now. Is that <laughs> oh, oh my god. Uh, there's some funny quotes there. Barbara. Uh, what about the guy at the end? Don't put my son's name on the news. I'm telling you that right now. I wonder if that was I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was all happening. Very heated moment that we were witnessing there. Quite, quite intense. And I think, um, you know, that father is just probably looking out for his son's safety. And reputation and all these sort. Yeah, I, I guess um, knowing this is probably going to blow up to be quite a big deal. Yeah, and it was. So th mm -hmm. we'll kind of move through the story here. So that incident happens while they're collecting the winnings. They both leave with a check for six hundred and eleven ish thousand dollars. Barbara Reddick leaves with the promise that tomorrow morning she's getting a lawyer, and she's going to fight for the money that Tyrone has. The court, um, the courts do something to basically like freeze Tyrone's check while so he can't spend it until like a settlement until like a, they have a chance to review it and you know a, a decision is rendered um in an interesting twist Barbara Reddick's lawyer is a good friend of the show and a frequent nighttime podcast guest Adam Rogers mm -hmm. is a lawyer in Guysborough County where she is and he represented Barbara Reddick but they go to court uh, actually, before it gets to court, they all meet and a settlement is issued. So I'm going to play you, I guess we'll wrap up the story with the settlement being reached, uh, a, a little piece about that, and we'll decide if this was a fair outcome. Yeah. Tonight we can tell you the chase is finally over. A family feud and legal battle over a $1.2 million chase the ace jackpot has been settled. 
57-year-old Barbara Rennick and her nephew, 19-year-old Tyrone McGinnis, arrived separately at the Port Hawkesbury Courthouse this morning. But after five hours of meeting behind closed doors together, the two came to a mutual agreement. The terms being that of the $611,319.50 at issue, Mr. McGinnis will receive $350,000 and Ms. Reddick will receive $261,319.50. Bringing Reddick's total winnings to more than $800,000. I'm taking him to court, I'm getting my lawyer tomorrow. The mood much different more than two months ago when Reddick and McGinnis arrived to collect the more than $1.2 million Marguerite Chase the Ace jackpot. Reddick claimed she gave McGinnis money to buy tickets but says there was never any agreement to split the big prize. When they were given separate checks, the lawsuit was on. But today those feelings changed according to Reddick's lawyer. They are both satisfied with the terms of the settlement. It was reached mutually in order to avoid further court proceedings and to bring this matter to a final conclusion. Last month, Nova Scotia Supreme Court Justice Patrick Murray decided to freeze McGinnis' share of the winnings and instead offered a date for mediation. After some discussion, both parties agreed. How they came to the agreement today is unclear. Both lawyers didn't take any questions from media, only offering a joint statement. Both parties are looking forward to putting this matter behind them and there'll be no further media comments made. A quiet end to a family feud that attracted national attention. So in the end, Tyrone agrees to split his check. So she, so he ends up getting three hundred and fifty thousand ish of it, leaving Barb with you know eight hundred and fifty thousand ish of it. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised he did that. I, I think he would have been able to fight his way into keeping half of it, but maybe he did it just as a way to put this behind him. Probably, and it's still a, an awful lot of money. Um, yeah, he's only a young guy too. Yeah, yeah, for his age, I mean, that's that's an endless amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. He should have gotten half, in my opinion. But who knows what was going on behind closed doors in these legal discussions to try and end this dispute. And I'm glad he at least walked away with something because there was probably a chance he might have gotten nothing out of it. So, yeah, I guess there is that chance. And also there's the, not chance, but the almost guarantee that both of them would lose a good share of what they won paying legal fees and all this yeah. other stuff. If they, The longer they drag it out, the more expensive it's going to get from a legal perspective. Yeah. So um, um, best to just take half of his half and walk away with, you know, with his dignity yeah as he did i had my son sitting in on this one do you have anything to say about this mix-up imagine you and your brother go splits on a lottery ticket no 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 imagine no imagine you and your father i put splits. him out at all no you wouldn't. well because you know you no, would just because i'd no. spend it on you anyway no you wouldn't he would spend it at tim hortons just buying buckets and buckets of timbits <laughs> you'd be all right with that i'd be all right with giving you it all you're think. a good boy, but I'm good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. <laughs> He's too sweet. Um yeah. but is that not like just like such a classic piece of video? Oh Barb's it's, it's, it'll never be forgotten. Barb's and that time is so iconic in Nova Scotia and specifically Cape Breton, Nova Scotia history. Mm -hmm. Um I remember 
when that was happening, not just that specific story, but Chase the Ace all together, you know, it was like, it was wild. And like the atmosphere around town was crazy. And the lineups to get tickets mm -hmm. were just, it took hours waiting in line. Like people, it was like they were, it was the eighties and, and Def Leppard was, was playing a <laughs> yeah. concert and you were getting your tent and, and you were going to wait in line. Yeah, and then it all builds up to this. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it for tonight. Uh, I think we did our work here. Canada feels a little weirder than it was, um, I guess, an hour ago when we started this. Before we wrap mm -hmm. it up, though, Aaron, do you got anything on the horizon you want to hype up or promote? Anything you're going to buy or movies you're going to watch? Or anything you're going to do to prepare for Halloween? Uh, prepare for Halloween. You know, I really hope I get more kids this year than I did last year. Last year was my first um, Halloween in this house that mm. I bought. So this will be my second year. And last year I really prepared for a lot of kids because I'm in a neighborhood and I see lots of kids around. So I was thinking that I could, I could push into the hundreds, you know, who knows? So I bought a lot of chips and candy and I got four. Oh no. I get on an average year. I get over a hundred here last year. I think I, yeah. I think my record is probably like 160 or something one year, but man, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. so excited for it. I love Halloween. Yeah. I, I packed cause I always do like the, uh, Ziploc treat bag kind of thing, where there'll be like a bag of chips, a candy, you know, a bar kind of thing. So I made about 140 of them. Oh my God. Like an idiot. Like a complete idiot. Yeah. Moron. Stupid. Um, I'll probably do it again this yes. year because I'd be like, who knows? Maybe last year was just a weird year. COVID, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see. Well, let's wrap it up here. Aaron, until next time. Until next time, Jordan. Take the get your grimy fingers off my money. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I keep Canada weird, but we could use even more of your support in our mission. If something unusual happens in your town, please let us know. And the best way to do it is by sending us a voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com. Aaron and I hope to hear from you. And with that, we'll start wrapping up this episode. But before I do, I'm going to give some thanks. A big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who supplies the intro and outro voiceovers for this series. And lastly, but most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping this show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you listen on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it gives you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full catalog of back episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can subscribe to the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers, Samantha, Maddie, Lauren, and Madison. Thank you for your generous support. If anyone else would like to support the show but can't do it financially, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded people know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or if you simply want to contribute a voice memo to be aired in an upcoming episode, you can do all that more at nighttimepodcast.com. So again, I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, 
hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Me again, the grammar Nazi, the ITS woman. I said Chatham. I should have said Chatsworth. My bad. Bye-bye. showcase. You were in a concentration camp in World War II. I was a young man, locked up in a terrible place. Based on the international best-selling book. But I found something there. Someone. We must keep living. Whatever it takes. The Tattooist of Auschwitz. All new Sundays on Showcase. Stream on Stack TV.